0: I'm excited about this word today, and I want to begin by asking you, have you ever felt discouraged in your prayer life? I mean, has it ever felt like, you know, you're praying and the, these prayers aren't going past the ceiling? I mean, boom, they're just hitting the ceiling, bouncing off and hitting the ground. Or maybe you pray, 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 and don't seem to be getting the answers you want or need. And Did you know the Bible gives many reasons why prayers are not answered. I'm going to preach on that today as we study our second sermon in this series on the book of James. Our theme is wisdom for everyday life. And a big part of everyday life for a believer is prayer. I mean, prayer is part of the day all day long, just just staying in communion with the Lord and Praying and praising him and thanking him and asking him and all throughout the day. So today I'm preaching on wisdom about prayer. But first I want to give you a little recap about my first sermon on James, which was a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Anthony preached an amazing sermon, awesome sermon on faith that's really going to set up what we're preaching today. By this whole, this whole, by the way, this whole service today kind of, I mean, had this one theme that, uh, the sermon is going to uh, be a part of that, and so th- it's really good. But uh, we saw that this book of James was written by James, who was the brother of Jesus. He was a skeptic. He, he along with his other bro- brothers, did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until the resurrection. When they saw him alive, after they had saw that he was dead, it changed them. And it changed James from a skeptic to a follower of Jesus Christ, to a leader in the church, to, to become an apostle who also wrote one of the books of, of the Bible. And James wrote to believers, Jewish believers, who had been scattered around the world due to persecution. That's why he said in James 1, 2 through 4, which we taught on last week, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James tells us how to have joy when we go through adversity, when we go through tough times. We can only do that when we know the purpose. When we know God, when we know that God's purposes and what we're going through, because these times develop perseverance in us. And perseverance, we see, requires waiting. You'll you'll never grow or change without some patience because it takes time. So we've got to learn to find joy in the times of waiting. And we do that by reminding ourselves that, that growth will not happen in us without learning how to persevere, to go through these times with faith. And remember, the joy joy of the Lord is not something we do. It's something we receive, something we receive from God. Jesus said it in John 16, 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You'll find joy when you ask Jesus for joy. Now, asking, asking, asking is the very next thing James tells us to do in his letter, in his book, In chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, you can turn there. The passages will always be on the screen. If any of you lacks wisdom, and that's all of us, amen? He said, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe. And not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That, listen, that man, that person should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. See, three keys to answer prayer in this verse. Ask. you got to first ask. Secondly, believe. And thirdly, be single minded, not double minded. Now, listen, we all have times when we need wisdom. It's an ongoing need. We need wisdom for relationships, religion, wisdom to make a decision, to, to answer a problem, to know what to do. And, and the key to wisdom is not just knowing something about some things, and it's, it's not that at all. It's about knowing the one who knows everything about everything. It's knowing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It it comes out of a relationship with Him. And by the way, wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is more than information. You can be really smart and foolish. A, A small child can have some wisdom. And a highly educated person could be very foolish. Because wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective and it results in knowing how to, what, the right thing to do at, at the right time. So when you're clueless about what to do, go to Jesus. When you have questions that no one can seem to answer, go to Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor. He gives wisdom to us. In fact, he is our wisdom. It's more than just something he gives. It's who he is in us. Now, the context here in James is asking for wisdom in in times of adversity. He just said, you're going through some tough times. You've been persecuted. You've been scattered. Uh, Understand that God uses those times to help us grow uh, in in our faith. And we need wisdom in tough times. God wants to give us specific wisdom in tough times. and, And I think particularly this. Wisdom to know if this trial that I'm going through is something that God wants me to overcome by faith or something that He wants me to persevere in by faith. That takes some wisdom. That takes some wisdom. So, no, okay, God, is this something I need to fight? Is this something I need to stand against? Is this something I need to overcome? Or is there something here that you want me to just to stay in this place of waiting, because you're wanting to do something greater in me? You've got to have wisdom for that. That that is not knowledge. That's not learned in a book. That that that's hearing from God. So, if we need wisdom, and we all do. We need to ask God for it. that That's prayer. And we need wisdom in prayer, which is what I'm preaching uh, on today. And listen, wisdom is something I pray for constantly. It's something in our men's group. We have a men's prayer group that, that meets every Monday morning at 7. We've been meeting for for uh, some of us for over 15, 16, 17 years, a long time. And I am telling you that it never fails every week. We, one of our prayer requests is for wisdom. Wisdom at work. Wisdom in a situation that we're having to work through. Wisdom in our families. Wisdom. It's one of my constant prayers. Wisdom on what to, to preach. I don't want to just pick out something. There's a lot of good stuff to preach on, but I, I need to hear from God about what to preach on. I, uh, 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 wisdom in leading the church. Wisdom in leading my family. Wisdom in everything I do. I constantly ask God for wisdom. Listen, James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. So prayer is asking God, asking God specifically today about wisdom. And James says that when we do ask, God will give us wisdom. He says he'll give it liberally, and the way King James says it is without reproach. Liberally means freely and abundantly, generously, extravagantly, not holding back. That's how God wants to give wisdom. He wants to give you a liberal amount, an abundant amount of wisdom. And without reproach, without fault, it means God will not find fault with us or scold us for needing wisdom. Here you come to me asking for wisdom again. No, that God is not like that. He wants you to come to him asking for wisdom. He wants you to be totally 100% dependent upon him for wisdom. He loves to answer that prayer. He knows we need his wisdom, and he wants to give it to us generously and without reproach. So I'm encouraging you encouraging you. When you need wisdom, pray for it. Yes. But James 1, 6-7 says this, when you pray, you must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll, re- think he'll receive anything from the Lord. I'm going to concentrate on this today because this is so important. You can pray 24-7. But if you do not add any faith to your praying, you will not receive anything from God. This is Bible. This is New Testament. is the brother of Jesus speaking to us. Prayer requires faith. When we pray, we're acknowledging God is able and willing to answer prayer. But at the same time, we're submitting to God and His will and understanding that He may or may not choose to answer the prayer the way we want or or when we want Him to, but He will answer every single prayer. But we've got to pray in faith, believing that God can and will answer. Whenever Jesus heals somebody, He asks them, What do you want me to do for you? Now, I came out of a faith movement, Pastor Devin and I, in the early days of our, of our Christian faith, well, uh, together anyway. And, you know, in those situations, you really couldn't, it was strange because you couldn't confess you had a need. It was a weird situation because you just confessed you were healed. So if Jesus came up to somebody and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, oh, I'm good. I'm healed. No, he wanted, what do you want me to do for you? I want to receive my sight. I want to walk. What if the layman only asked Jesus for a cane instead of a, a healing? What if the blind man only asked for a guide dog instead of a healing? What if a deaf one only asked for a hearing aid instead of a healing? What if the demon possessed only asked for some kind of prescription drug instead of deliverance and freedom? They would have all missed out on the supernatural, miraculous power of God. What are you missing out on today because of small faith? I want to encourage you. Pray big prayers. Pray big prayers and pray in faith because when you don't Pray in faith. The Bible says you will be tossed around in life and you will never receive anything from God. Nothing. Are you teaching good? Thank you. I did a study this week on why prayers are not answered. This could be a whole sermon series, about a 20-week series. It was more than I th- thought when I dug into this. Uh, and I don't have time to teach on it today. But I wanted just to give you some of these reasons that prayers aren't answered. By the way, we know that Satan hinders prayer. We know from Daniel's example that, that, that he fights the answers being received. Uh, so spiritual warfare is always an important part of, the, of prayer. But I'm not preaching on spiritual warfare today. I'm talking about things we do that hinder our own prayers from being answered. Y'all ready for this? You sure? Okay. <laughs> All right. Number one, unrepentant sin. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. None of us are sinless. This isn't talking about people who sin and confess their sin. This isn't talking about believers who struggle even with a recurring sin, but they regularly and humbly come to God and repent. They they fight it. They're standing against it. They're asking God for help. They're asking God for forgiveness. This is talking about anyone who willfully harbors sin in their heart, who refuses to repent of it. In fact, people these days are taking their iniquity as their identity. They're, I'm not fighting this. This is who I am. If we knowingly tolerate sin in our lives, our prayers are powerless. The good news is, though, that if we confess our sins, God hears and God forgives. That's the one prayer that God's waiting on uh, on when you're living in an unrepentant. Remember, I'm talking about willfully not repenting of sin. God wants to hear a prayer of repentance and confession. Unrepentant sin will hinder prayer. Secondly, idols in our heart. In Ezekiel fourteen three, God says, These men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Now, we're not talking about a wooden statue. Well, it was back then, statues that people make. But for us, we think, well, I don't do that. I don't got no statue I bow down to. But there are other things you bow down to. Anything in your life that comes before God is an idol could be a career, could be possessions, could be a family, could be a ministry. Ministry can be an idol, could be a person. Anything that you are unwilling to let go of that, that, that you put before God is an idol. And that idol in your heart will hinder your prayer. Number three, selfish motives. James, we'll t- touch on this later, but James four and three says, "When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend it, may spend what you get on your pleasures, or your own lust." King James says, "Selfish motives hinder prayers." Hindrance number four: unforgiveness. Huge, huge, huge mark eleven twenty five when you stand praying, if you hold any, anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sin. There's so many verses that say that I don't have time to get into it today, but just know this: if you do not forgive others, it's going to hinder hinder your prayers. Number five, lack of transparency with God and others. James 5.16 says, confess your sins of one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Listen, hiding your sin will hinder your healing. I wish I had time to teach on this today. I'm just giving you these. You can study them out on your own. Number six, lack of Persistence. Luke 18.1 says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So many of us give up way too soon. Man, I prayed once and that never happened. God didn't hear my prayer. You prayed once. People are so impatient. Sometimes there's a waiting period. A lot of times there's a waiting period before you receive your answer that's why the bible when it says ask seeking knock if you look look it up in the amplified version or look it up in an interlinear version where it gives you the 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 meaning of it i mean it's it's ask and keep on asking knock and keep on knocking uh uh, that that's how you get answered prayer you persist in it you persist in it persist 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 Uh, and by the way just as a word of caution don't keep asking for something that's not in the will of God, and call that persistence. That's called insistence. Adamantly insisting on your own way to get what you want without having to submit to the will of God. that's not persistence, that's something else. But when you pray and you it's in the will of God and it, it's the plan of God, and uh, keep praying. Jesus said it. Keep praying. Don't give up. Hindrance number seven. Refusing to listen or obey God's word. Proverbs 28 9 says, if, anyone, if one turns away his ear from hearing God's law, even his prayer is an abomination. Abomination means something that is disgusting and detestable. Something God hates. Listen, if you don't hear God's word... And hearing is implying doing. you know, James tells us we're going to teach on that. Don't hear and do. If you don't do that, if you don't hear God's word, he's not going to hear your words. Your words of prayer. Hindrance number eight: mistreating your spouse. Men put your steel-toed booths on. Husbands. In the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you as a gra- of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So we could be praying, 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 praying and fasting, praying, fasting, getting other people to pray with us, praying in agreement, praying in faith, prophesying, doing all these things. But if we're not treating our spouse right, Going to hinder your prayer. Told you it's going to get real in here today. Hindrance number nine, neglecting the poor. Proverbs 21 13 says, Whoever shuts their ear to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Number 10, praying to be seen by others. Now, some people take this wrong. They think you can never pray in public. Well, people in the Bible prayed in public. He's talking about motivation here. What's your motivation in praying? When you stand and pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, this is Matthew 6, 5, and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, this is Jesus, they have received their reward. In other words, I hope you enjoyed that, because that's all you're getting. I hope that attention that you got from that prayer that you was wanting was really good, because that's all you're getting. That's your reward right there. Listen, I could add so many other hindrances to this list. These are some of the main ones. And listen, we don't have to be perfect in our praying. We don't have to be perfect in our life. But if we have these issues in our life, that will hinder our prayers until we go to God asking for forgiveness and asking for His help to overcome these hindrances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now what I'm preaching on today is hindrance number 11, lack of faith. Lord, mercy, i got 10 minutes. I'm going to 15 at least. I may go to 20. Who will see? <laughs> James 1, 6-8. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Listen, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Lack of faith has an incredible negative impact on a Christian's life. Without faith, your prayer has no power. Without faith, you receive nothing from God. Matthew 13, 50, 30, 13 58 says, Even Jesus could do no miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith. Prayer requires faith. Hebrews 11:6 without faith it's impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him again I repeat James 1 when you ask believe and don't doubt I'm going to make this more personal. personal. When you believe, you must believe and not doubt. Because if you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea. You're blown and tossed by the wind. You should not think you'll receive anything of the Lord. You're a double-minded person, unstable in all you do. Unbelief causes us to be tossed around like a wave in the wind. It causes us to be in a constant state of agitation. You know anybody like that? It's a constant state. Rising in hope, then sinking in despair, rising in faith, and and then sinking in doubt. And the word translated doubt here means to be at variance with your own self, to, to hesitate, to to waver, to be double-minded, is to vacillate back and forth between faith and doubt. Now listen, I understand we all have some doubts. All of us need to grow in faith and learn how to overcome doubt. But but James is not addressing people here with just some occasional momentary doubts. He is addressing people who constantly live their lives vacillating between faith and doubt. Constantly. They believe, then they don't. They're in the ch- in church, so then they aren't. They're in and out of church, in and out of faith. That kind of double-mindedness will never be blessed. The double-minded person will never receive anything from God. The word double-minded literally means two souls or two minds. One mind set on heaven, the other mind set on earth. One mind set on Jesus, the other mind set on myself. One mind set on faith, one mind set on doubt. And by the way, the man who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I love that prayer. That's not a double-minded prayer. That man believed and he confessed his faith, but his faith was weak. He he needed his faith to grow. But he wasn't in double-minded doubt. Being double-minded means you're emotionally divided, spiritually divided. You have a divided allegiance and a divided loyalty. You are divided. An example of this is in 1 Kings when Elijah had his showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And the people of God had been serving God and serving idols, serving God and serving idols, especially a false god named Baal. And Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling or halting between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. In other words, make up your mind. Are you going to live in faith or are you going to live in unbelief?" He's dealing with double mindedness in the people of God. That condition makes a person unstable in all their ways, incapable of hearing from God or receiving from God. It doesn't just make you unstable spiritually. It makes you unstable emotionally. It makes you unstable mentally. It makes you unstable at work. It makes you unstable in your family. You are an unstable person in all your ways if you, if you have a double mind. Instead, our example should be Abraham, who in Romans 4, 20 through 21, It says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong. Listen, he had to grow in it. He grew strong. He's a father of faith. We follow his example. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He was fully persuaded that God is able to do what he promises. Double-mindedness develops when you're partially persuaded. rather than fully persuaded, partially committed, rather than fully committed. One foot in God, one foot in the world. One foot, just in case, I'm hedging my bets here, you're riding the fence. You're not going to get anything from God. You're partially committed. That half-hearted commitment to God will result in your unstableness and your prayers not getting answered. And the way to deal with this is to be fully committed, fully persuaded, and committed to God and His ways. To follow Jesus full-time, not part-time. Too many part-time believers. They're at the club on Saturday night. They're in church on Sunday. This James passage starts with asking for wisdom. Listen, you can't... Ask God for wisdom and just say, when I get it now, I'm going to decide whether or not I'm going to do it. I'm at variance within myself because I'm not fully persuaded that God's way is right. And and I'm not fully persuaded that I want to do it God's way. You can't just do that. You can't settle for anything less than full devotion to Christ we remove hindrances in prayer by repenting, repenting of any unbelief, by placing our faith in God and God alone. James 4.8 says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's a heart issue. It's a divided heart. And I, I like what the New Living Translation says on double-mindedness. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So I encourage you today to repent, have a change of mind, turn from double-mindedness, and then single-mindedly focus on Jesus. Count it all joy when you go through trials, and pray in faith for the wisdom you need as you go through. Pray for wisdom in every area of life. Listen, lack of Prayer results in lack, and lack of faith results in receiving nothing from God. God hears the prayer of faith. God answers the prayer of faith. God does not answer double-minded prayers. Now, Just an example of some, where some believers show double-mindedness to me is when it comes to supernatural things like spiritual gifts and miracles. You know, a lot of people say, I believe it, but. We believe in the gifts of Spirit, but. By the way, it always amazes me <clears> how <throat> uh, so many Christians are, say they're open to him, but they just don't really believe for them. And it always amazes me when people leave a spirit-filled church and go to a non-spirit-filled church. I never really understand it. And when I talk to them, you know, I, I ask them, "Do you believe in miracles?" Yes. "Do you believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today?" Yes. Then why would you attend a church that does not believe that and and, and actually preaches against it? Well. They're open to it. And I want to say, I don't say it out of the kindness of my heart, why don't you bust out in tongues one morning to see how open they are to it. But what I want you to see today is just being open to something doesn't carry a lot of weight with God. Being open to the power of God is better than being closed to the power of God. It's a step in the right direction, but it's not yet faith. A person who is just open is a person who does not yet believe. For instance, a a non-Christian can be open to the possibility that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. But if they do not repent of their sins and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will die and go to hell, open to truth, but never fully believing truth. Being open to something doesn't count for much. If you took your life savings to the bank and said, Can you keep my money safe? And he said, well, we're open to it. (laughs) Would you leave your money with them? No, you want to leave it where your money is If you were going to marry somebody, and I've been right on this platform many, many, many times, and other platforms, and a lot of y'all in this room, different places, and stood before you, and said, would you take this person to be your lawfully wedded spouse to have and to hold for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in all good times, you're going to give yourself to them no matter what? Well, you know, Pastor, I'm open to it. (laughs) I look at that other spouse and I say, you better run and run now. You're not looking at somebody to be open to it. Marry somebody they trust you trust and believe in. you getting my point. It's the same way with God. Saying you're open to the things of God doesn't get you much from God. You need to go beyond openness to faith. The Bible does not say just be open to salvation. It says repent and believe and be saved. The Bible does not tell us just to be open to the power of the Spirit. It commands us to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible does not tell us just to be open to the gifts of the Spirit. It commands us to believe in them and pursue them diligently. Jesus said, never said according to your openness it would be unto you. No, he said according to your faith it will be unto you. Jesus never said if you have openness the size of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. No, Jesus said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. The Bible never says if you're open to something, you'll receive from God. No, God responds to faith, not openness. God responds to faith, not unbelief. God responds to those who are single Minded towards him, not double minded. So let's set our hearts on him. Let's refuse to waver through unbelief. Let's not listen, do not dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Do not destroy in doubt what you build in faith. So many people are planting, 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 and then they get into unbelief and they lose the ability to receive from God. Listen, no matter what we see, what we feel, what we experience, we've got to choose to believe and not doubt. And I declare over us today as a church, we will not be tossed around like a wave of the sea. We will not be single-minded, double-minded. We will be single-minded in all we do. And when we pray, in faith we will receive answers from the lord in jesus name hallelujah amen can you give him some thanks come on come on hallelujah he's so good yes lord yes lord yes lord whoa man that was good preaching (laughs) hey hey i ain't taking no credit Oh, God, that's a word of God. That is a word of the Lord. I, uh, that, Lord, would you move right now? Lord, would you move right now? Lord, would you move? Right, Lord, I'm praying for double-minded people right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you would move on them as our prayer team comes down. God, would you move on them to come out of that place of halting between two opinions? Lord, and that they would firmly today commit to you and be fully devoted to you. God, I pray for those who've been waiting for the right time to get saved. And I declare to them, this is the time. This is the day. Today is the day of salvation. For those waiting to get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Today is the day to get filled with the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray you would move on us and through us in Jesus' name. We want to pray over you today. We had a a word about healing. Uh, An altar call for healing. So if you need healing today we've got the word of the Lord today for for us to pray over you and we would love to do that, we have oil down here do we have oil, we can anoint them with oil we got oil we can anoint you with and we want to pray with you if you need to be saved, you need to be full of the spirit whatever you need to pray for, we want to pray for you you can come down here and pray on your own you can come down here and pray with one of these awesome people who would pray in faith for you this has been a great day I love y'all so much, I love you with all my heart I love you with all my heart. By the way, Wednesdays, just a reminder, we're off Wednesdays now for a while. We're taking a break on Wednesday night. So we will see you next Sunday. It's Mother's Day. We're going to sing one more song, and we'll be dismissed. If you need prayer, come on down. Don't, don't wait.